whatever you decide to do, um, if it's like a career pursuit, a personal pursuit, a spiritual pursuit, maybe take a take a moment to like look at and, and assess why you're doing that, how it's impacting yourself, how it's impacting the immediate community that is it will be affected by it, and how it may impact the world. You're listening to the Gangstar Creative Podcast, where we talk and share real strategies, real tactics, and real stories from me and my badass guests to help gangstar creatives and artists like you thrive in both your business and life. And I'm your host, Ivana. I'm an artist, creative entrepreneur, speaker, and best-selling author. Are you ready to annihilate the status quo of the starving artist? If so, let's get it. What up, Gangstars? It's your girl, Devana, and this week's Gangstar Creative is Anthony Rose. He's an artist and an experiential art curator working with the world's most expressive artists and commercial art collectors at United by Design. He is the founder and executive director of United by Design, which is an art agency that elevates physical and digital spaces with murals, sculptures, and installations for brands and businesses like Chevron, Gensler, and the Houston Astros. Anthony is co-founder of Satellites Art Project, an initiative documenting the connective beauty of art and technology during moments of physical isolation and distance. He is also an active contributor to nonprofits around the nation like Good Measure, TEDx San Antonio, and the Prison Entrepreneurship Program. We dive deep into his story and his past, and we touch on a lot of cool things on the art business side, like working with commercial clients and so many good things. So I'm excited to dive into that. But before we do, I want to highlight a Gangstar creative review. Shout out to Roxy underscore G. She says, as an emerging artist who grew up with zero role models of successful full-time creatives, it means so much to be exposed to the thriving creatives in this podcast. I truly feel like this is a valid career now thanks to the message in this show. Thank you to Devana and all the inspiring guests. Roxy underscore G, thank you so much for this review. It's reviews like this that really motivate me to keep doing this podcast. So if you like this podcast or if you want to shout out on a potential future episode, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Now let's dive into this episode. What up, gangstars? I have Anthony Rose here today. He's going to be dropping some bombs, bringing that value. Anthony, thank you so much for joining me today on the show. Thank you. I'm yeah. super excited. Super stoked. <laughs> Me too. And I'm sure everybody listening is as well. So as all my episodes go, let's start off from the beginning. Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Who is Anthony? Take us on a journey on where you started and where you are today. Yeah. Well, at this highest level, uh, I'm Anthony. I'm a girl dad. I have a daughter. Uh, I'm also a husband, an artist, and a justice reform advocate uh, that runs a global art agency called UXD. And uh, we basically, we curate and guide commercial art projects for corporate clients and emerging with emerging, I'm sorry, with emerging and established visual artists. Um, I also house a volunteer uh, as a mural coordinator for Good Measure, which is a pop-up agency that travels the U.S. to do brand identities, videos, custom websites, and community murals for nonprofits that don't have the budget to do it. So we go in and like in a weekend, we've like just listened to them and re and formed this brand new identity for them and gone and put a mural out in this in the community for them in 72 hours. That's awesome. Uh, it's really it's really great. And there's typically like a hundred to two hundred creatives in the same space working on this like 24-7. So it's it's a really really awesome and intimate experience 
and uh, I feel like we'll probably talk a little bit more about them uh, later on in the in the convo. But uh, I also I sit on the board for TEDx San Antonio, and uh, I am the creative committee chairman uh, for that group. And what else? I mean, I really enjoy um, talking shop with other entrepreneurs, and I've also recently started collecting NFTs. Ooh, fancy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's take it back, back into time. Um, When you, I guess, stepped into the creative world, were you always the creative? Um, Did you have a creative job before, you know, starting UXD? Take us a little bit um, back into time in that, in that part of your timeline. Yeah, it's, it's quite a peculiar kind of experience. Every time I share this story, people are like, how did that even happen? Uh, so I've, I've always been creative. I, I, I drew, I've drawn since, since elementary, I would draw like little doodles on my art, on my paperwork, started getting into like drawing little comics. I was a big fan of Dragon Ball Z. And after I watched all of the episodes, I wanted to, yeah, I've rewatched them and rewatched them. So I started creating my own little comic book series of Dragon Ball Z, started sharing them with friends in, in the school because they were interested in it and uh so that really kind of like uh encouraged me to continue like drawing and doodling so throughout middle school high school i continued to do so like in the back you know the classroom quiet like sitting in my sketchbook between classwork and uh never took any art classes but i ended up um actually getting involved with with graffiti my stepbrothers at the time were you know into it and I was just like really just wanting to hang out with them and win their approval so <laughs> so uh, I started getting into you know graffiti a little bit doing letters and uh, they fell off I got really into it and uh, started you know messing around with spray paint painting on the sides of walls and buildings started with my my bedroom at my house which I mean Thank you to my mom for being like the most understanding and supportive (laughs) and letting me do that. Uh, And eventually made it out into the sides of fences in my neighborhood and walls on businesses. And um, through that experience, I ended up getting an opportunity to work for an international paint company called Montana Cans out of Germany. And uh, yeah, it was, it was, wild i'm telling you there are parts of the story would be like how did that even happen uh just you know disclaimer i'm in san antonio texas at the time so people are like how did that even happen um (laughs) it happens to be that one of the biggest distributors for that company was in san antonio and at this time they decided to open up three flagship stores in the u.s where they were going to have all of the inventory accessible and available to customers so they opened one up in new york they opened one up in l.a and they opened one up in San Antonio as a condition. For time reference, what year was this? This was 2011. Okay, cool. So around that time, they opened up the store. It had gone through a little bit of a transition. The distributor ended up kind of like taking over the store uh, and, and needed a team member to kind of like manage the property, manage the store, plan events, put together flyers. I mean everything like <laughs> and so he, he he we we came across each other uh he felt like I was a good person to maybe try this out with and so I started by managing the shop bringing in some some team members to uh to help me run the store started planning some events a monthly meet and greet with different artists where we'd paint like 4,000 square feet of wall every month 
Um, and, and there was, you know, I guess, I guess I saw a little something in me and I was okay with, you know, with, with my paint skills at the time, but I really loved the product and that's really where they saw some opportunity and ended up sponsoring me to go fly around to places like Art Basel Miami, South by Southwest, Meeting of Styles in Chicago, Houston, up in LA. And uh, it was, I mean, a dream come true to me because I was just like this young kid, like getting to paint his name everywhere and like experience the world. Um, that is so cool. Wow. It, I'm gonna give you was... a good hand clap for that because that's like <laughs> a, a dream for many artists and it, did that in the beginning. It, it, it was a dream. And I just, you know, I mean, when it happened, I felt like, I mean, <laughs> uh, I, I, I felt great about it. It felt really good. Uh, and, and at the time, you know, I had a bunch of friends that were with me around the same age, they were just emerging. And so we would do these projects together. I mean, I would get sponsored, but I'd talk the, I'd talk the company into like giving me more paint than I needed. And then we'd all just like load up into a van and like drive to that, to some areas. And like, I just bring all my friends with me and put them up on the wall and be like, let's all just paint and let's do something. And, <laughs> and the company, the company and the, and the distributor were cool with it because like, I was like, look, I'll do like, I'll film it and I'll give you a finished video. If like, y'all just like, let me do my thing. And they're like, yeah, cool. All right. Uh, so, so I did that for a while, uh, through that had gotten involved into like graphic design. I took a few classes in college and really kind of like went in that direction, started doing brand identity, logos, you know, materials, colorways, assets, things like that for companies. Uh, it started to focus on that full time. So my artistry and my creative expression kind of like fell by the wayside for a little while. And, How long uh, were you doing the um, like the street art and mural stuff before you got into the graphic design path? So I started, I mean, I, I started picking up graphic design, taking some classes around like 2012. Uh, so I could like create flyers and business cards for the, the shop. And, um, and so that kind of was something that I did just for the shop at the time. But over the next few years, it started to get a little more prominent and, and a little more um, uh, full, like just part-time. And that was around like 2014, 2015. So gotcha. around that time, I decided, I actually was doing graphic design um, part-time to full-time hours. But at that, at that period, I also opened up a vape shop in San Antonio. This is right when like, you know, vapes and that whole industry was kind of booming. People were like making custom mods that people were like vaping off of. And so it was kind of cool. It was like almost its own little art piece. Like we do like a run of a thousand and that was all we were going to make and sell of that colorway and this makeup. And it was really, really fun uh, to kind of like transition our creative expression into something else. And so we did that for, for a year. It was quick lived. And then we were like, okay, we're done with this. <laughs> uh, and, and so I started to just focus on doing some brand identity full time for like small businesses for friends that were, you know, trying to just, you know, start their own thing. Um, there was a few like medium sized businesses that I would like join a team with to create some assets for, mm -hmm. uh, and then, and then I started working with, uh, as a freelancer with a couple of different agencies, uh, and doing some really cool work. And it was around that time when I discovered that 
there were graphic designers out there that were so much more talented than me and that um, that had an opportunity to like do something really great. And I felt like I, I was more inclined to like help boost that more. Like I was like, you're not willing to talk for yourself. Like, let me do something for you. Like, let me, let me put you out there. Mm. And, uh, and, and so as I was exploring that, um, I also realized that there wasn't a lot of graphic designers that were uh, trained in more of like a classic art sense uh, where, you know, I mean, like as simple as like sketching and, and things like that. A lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of graphic designers were more technically trained. They learned about their creativity through like interacting with computer software uh, like Illustrator and the Adobe suite and things like that, which is great. Um, but, but I, I just noticed that there weren't many people that were kind of coming from the artist side into graphic design at that time. Um, and, and that basically, you know, kind of shortened that story that basically turned into me understanding and realizing that there weren't a lot of, uh, bridges between digital creative, uh, the creative industry and analog in, and I'm, I've kind of dubbed it analog, but you know, anybody that does any <laughs> handcrafted art, right. So anybody that does murals, anybody that does like canvas or studio work, anybody that does sculptures or creates with their hands. Mm -hmm. And because there was that divide, there wasn't really any collaborative effort that was like very prevalent. Um, I mean, it was there, but didn't really, it wasn't obvious for a lot of, a lot of the agencies that I was working with for a lot of the freelancers that I was working with. And so that is what, all of those experiences are what inspired me to start United by Design. I said, you know what? I'm gonna take everything I learned from the graphic industry and 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 I'm going to take the principles and practices that I learned there and I'm going to plug them in with what I know about murals and what I know about this like analog art world and I'm going to try and bring it all together and uh and that started back in January of 2019. Awesome. So so that that uh that you know has been a journey in itself and, and I'm glad and I'm happy to talk more about it. Um, but essentially, you know, what, what we do is, you know, we're, we're, we're thinkers and planners when a client wants to work with, you know, and put some kind of like artistic component into whatever project they're working on. They'll, they may consider calling us and saying, hey, we have this idea, what should we do? And we'll go in, we'll hear them out and we'll put together a plan and a strategy to like make something happen. Then. Uh, we also do all the project management and project execution. We also do like media components and things like that to kind of like add value to the projects that we do. Um, and, you know, our goal at the end of the day is just to make uh, art projects more delightful and more valuable for everybody involved. The person viewing it, the client buying it and the artist making it. And uh, if we can do that, then we're like on you know, we're facing North and we're headed in the right direction. Mm. You know, what I love about your story too, is like, you kind of got to have the best of both worlds. Cause even for me, my background was in graphic design and I was just like, you know, only focused in the digital aspect. I was, I didn't have like the traditional training, you know, of like the fine art side of it. And that was just really, cause like, I was just like, 
I don't do that. Like I only do graphic design. I only do digital um, art. And so I think it's cool and fascinating that you kind of came from like more of the traditional sense of like you were doing street art and um, painting murals and things. And then you decided to learn more of the graph design and you kind of got to learn the graph design industry and the agency industry and kind of basically marry those two together. You got to have such an amazing experience, you know, early on as a, a muralist, you know, having the opportunity with Montana that most people don't get to have. Um, and then also having the experience, obviously, in the agency design world, which is a whole world in itself. And I think that's really cool that you've gotten to kind of merge those, you know, perspectives together to create the, the business that you have now. Well, I appreciate that. And you know what? I mean, really, that whole story and what you just said, I mean, I'm, I'm, I was just a curious and indecisive kid. And that's why, that's why that even like led to any of that happening. Uh, but I, I, I do consider myself extremely like lucky to have had those experiences, uh, especially, you know, coming from where I come from. I, I mean, my, my family wasn't, you know, completely impoverished, but I mean, we did struggle a lot. My mom, you know, worked her butt off to just make things happen. And so, she wanted me to be able to do things that I cared about and wanted to do. So when it came to like drumline and, and buying expensive drumsticks and equipment, I mean, <laughs> she found a way to do it. And, and she gave me the space to like explore that. And, uh, and, and it's, it's, it's just something that I now know isn't like completely common in the type of like neighborhood and culture that I grew up in. And so I'm thankful for that. Um, and, and what I, what I hope to do is, is maybe through kind of like living out, you know, the things that I've learned, maybe open up an opportunity to like, give those little like insights to, to the next generation of artists coming up or people that are in my neighborhood that really didn't think uh, that art, you know, being an artist was something that you could actually live off of and be happy doing. Mm, I love that. Now, when you were working as a graph designer like contractor freelancer um and then you decided to you know create uxd what was that transition like like did you have a set goal to kind of you know have a certain um, amount of money saved up before you stopped just doing freelancing work and creating this company or did you kind of just push the brakes and jump right on in did you seek investors like what was that like transition <laughs> like into creating the company and going from what you were doing, you know, career-wise, job-wise into, you know, owning UXD and creating that. Well, let me, let me preface what I'm going to say with like my advisors and mentors have told me that I've chosen the most ridiculous way to like pursue what I'm doing. <laughs> um, it was all very spur of the moment. Like when I was so passionate about what I had learned that when I, when I, when I experienced it, like the, 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 the switch flipped and it was like all all engines go so um i i went from you know kind of working in this freelance role to uh starting the business within a month and so just to kind of like paint the picture here for you um in november 2018 i got married and we went on a week-long honeymoon and when I came back from that honeymoon, I told, I told all of my clients that I was finishing the work that I was doing for them and I was not taking any other work from them. And I formed the business like legally, like I went and like filed the LLC, 
I got my EIN and uh, which is all like the, the, the federal like paperwork that you have to get done to be like considered an actual entity. Um, and, and I just said, this is all that I'm doing. Like I'm saying no to every graphic design project that comes up and I'm saying yes to like almost every mural project that comes up. Um, and, and I just said, you know, if I'm going to like sink or float, I'm going to, I'm going to know for real, like I'm going to either be like super broke or I'm going to make it by and like, hopefully just like gain momentum. And, uh, and so that's what I've, that's what I've, you know, I've been in that like moment for the last three years. Mm, that's so awesome. Way to go for just kind of jumping in and jumping ship. <laughs> um, I have a similar story just kind of going in. Uh, to the business that me and my husband have where it was just like we didn't we only had eight thousand dollars in our bank account for two people in southern california and but we just knew that this was this was it and it worked out you know <laughs> it's not for everybody um but i think it's cool just to hear people's story on like how they transition because for a lot of my listeners and just people you know who want to pursue a creative passion a lot of them have the part-time job or the full-time job or maybe they're freelancers too but they want to take a, a different route and it's always that transition of like when and how and you know what what's the right way to do it and do I need to have certain things in order so I love just kind of tapping into to that backside and just hearing that you jumped in you know right away and kind of turned that switch and was just like hey I'm back from vacation I'm gonna finish your project and then I'm out <laughs> basically <laughs> in the nicest way possible I'm sure but I'm just yeah. saying like that that's awesome way to go yeah I I I feel like maybe I should also mention that that around this 2018 timeline, there were also some really major like life changes, life experiences that changed everything that happened. And so, I mean, just to, I, I'll just quickly like touch on this. We can go into it if you want to a little bit, but uh, basically like I had to like, I mean, it was a hard reset, you know. Um, I, I ended up having to like draw back a little bit i had to like figure out a way to make things work again at that time i didn't have an opportunity to do any freelance work so i was like literally like eight dollars an hour flipping some burgers at a burger like at a burger house like down the street just because like we needed to make it happen needed to pay the bills and make it work mm -hmm. um and then you know and then from there like started doing some more graphic design work for like a local paintball park ended up doing a lot of projects with them and uh, like actually helping them, uh, I got an opportunity to exercise like strategy and, and, and coordinating like business models and business plans with them uh, by like forming corporate business models and things like that for, for, you know, the, as a way to like create more opportunity and bring more people into their business. So for about a year, in that beginning of 2018, that's really what I was, I was doing. I was having an opportunity to like do everything needed for a business for this business. And that really kind of like prepped me. And because I was working for $8 an hour before that, that I, I, I was in a mindset where I was like, I'm not losing out. Like I can do this. Like I can jump in and, <laughs> and sink or swim. Like if, I, if all I have to do is make $8 an hour, like <laughs> I'll figure out how to do that with murals. Um, so, so yeah, I, I say that I, I want to mention that because I know there are people that I interact with daily that ask me this and that are facing those same things. Like they're facing, you know, either 
either coming out of some like life-changing moment yeah out of facing adversity they're just kind of making it over that hump or speed bump and they want to know what's next and they and some of them some of us don't feel comfortable like jumping from like one adversity to the next but there is a difference from being forced into that kind of unknown moment and intentionally entering it so so there's that <laughs> now when you founded uxd did, was it just you solo did you have um founding partners did you already have like a team on hand to help you with the murals or was it just you so it was just me when i when i originally formed the business i was i was doing everything from like marketing to pitching to sales i was I was painting some of the murals, like most of them, and uh, and and I was yeah, I was doing everything. I was wearing all the hats. So um, it wasn't until 2020, 2021 that we started to really kind of like grow and have opportunities to bring on other artists, other media professionals, like videographers and photographers, um, and and. Um, like other like curators in other areas of the nation. Uh, so this is all, you know, it's still all very new, uh, but it's, it's something that we feel like we're like, we're just like actively like really driving. Yeah. So you were able to thrive um, during COVID and the pandemic seems like. Yeah. You know, in, in a sense, we, we were given an opportunity like most people where we had to like sit in a confined space and try and figure out what was next. And it was the things that we learned at that time and the conversations we were having with, with, with existing clients, with clients that were like canceling, with, with artists that were worried about what, what their next you know, project was gonna be. And we took all of those things and we formed like new systems and new protocol to do what we do today. And, uh, and it's, it's really paid off. I mean, it's really paid off. We have some really great, great clients that we're working with right now. That's awesome. Um, and it's, it's so cool hearing like different stories of people like that have actually been able to, you know, thrive during a time or been able to, you know, pivot in certain ways or add more streams of income or revenue to their businesses. So, um, I'm happy that that was able to work out for you. Um, so when it comes to your clients and, and projects, how do you actually get your clients and customers and projects booked? And is it different now than when it, when you first started out? Yeah. So, you know, for us, I really think that um, it really comes down to relationships. Like we rely on existing relationships um, and warm connections to like build our business network and develop. Uh, those 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 connections. Um, so we've we've done marketing before. We've done cold calls and email, and like it works to get in front of people. But you know, it's obvious when a connection is low quality. And so it's like you know, you're out on the street and you meet a stranger that you feel skeptical about. You're not sure why, but in this sense, it's because like you know what they're coming to you for, and that's like, hey, pay me to do this thing for you. Uh, and so the first impression is everything and, and the, and the atmosphere sets the tone. And when you enter a relationship with like, Hey, I'm here for business, you know, a lot of the times it's, it's not the kind of quality relationship that is, that is really impactful to the industry that we're in. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm.
Hey Gangstar, sorry to interrupt, but if you're enjoying this episode so far, stop what you're doing right now and share this podcast with your friends on social media or text it to a friend in your contacts. If you're a true Gangstar and want to uplift and empower other creatives like I know you do, you're going to want to take a few seconds to do this now. Go ahead and pick your phone back up or click that browser tab that you're playing this episode in, hit that pause button and share it now. Hello, what are you waiting for? All right. Thank you for doing that. Now let's get back to the show. All of our interactions and all of our projects should be like a delight. It should be something that the client feels like they just want to do, like it's their idea. So um, so it really comes down to the relationships. We have been lucky to like have gotten some like really nice introductions back in 2019 and over like the following year, we were just nurturing those relationships and they had given us some opportunities to work on some small projects. And eventually they brought us to some larger projects until, you know, okay, like we're ready to introduce you to our, like our, our staple clients and our, you know, our cream of the crop. Like we feel confident that you could do this thing for them now. So, so it, it takes some time and there's a lot of like patience involved, but Hey, like they say, you know, patience is a virtue. And, and, um, and it could really help out when building your business uh, to create like really authentic relationships, not authentic in the sense of like how the, you know, the brand, you know, how it's used in like branding right now. Like we want to play authentic, no, like for real authentic. Um, and, and I think to pair, to follow up on that a little bit, like it was, it's really about building the system. So that way, when we are introduced to these people, uh, and, and potential clients, we know like what kind of like grade that interact or that relationship is going to be like, is this going to be something really successful or are we, could we be wasting ours or their time? And, sh- and should mm-hmm. we look at that? Let's look at that early on so we can know, like, so we can say no and kind of like move on from like things that aren't going to be fruitful to like doing things that are going to be impactful. Like, let's look for really solid relationships. Let's look for opportunities where we can really make an impact and do something that the client really loves. And let's work with artists who really want to have, you know, some more, some more freedom in the type of projects that they get to choose. Because with us, you know, one of the, one of the, the main, the main points with, with our relationships with artists is as an artist myself, I don't want to be like stifled or stopped from doing anything. And so we don't like require our artists to have any like exclusive agreements with us, right? Like you, you can do whatever you want to do, live your life, go paint the projects that you want. We're just simply looking to like work with you. Let's establish a relationship. And then we're going to come to you with projects that our clients are approaching us about. And if you, if you vibe with that, if you like the numbers, if you like the timeline, if you think that this is a good project for you, let's explore it. Let's do it. Um, and, uh, and if it doesn't, then, you know, let's keep looking. So, so uh, it's, it's really important for us that we just nurture the relationships that we have with our clients and with our artists. And if we're doing a good job at that, I mean, then we're still like headed north on our, our mission, you know? Yeah. So for the clients that you, you know, you're like, okay, you go through your list and you say yes to, what is that system or that sequence um, of nurturing that relationship? How, what ways do you nurture that relationship for anybody listening? That's like, you know, has no idea or have, it has any experience, you know, with um, creating relationships in that way, when it, where it leads to a sale at the end of the day, as the day in a great um, working relationship, what does that look like for you guys? 
Yeah, I mean, there, there are a few things that we're doing, um, but we're also we're also always learning, right? I mean, it's like, you know, personal relationships that we have, like we're always learning how to like be better or why we're, it's getting worse. Like we, we, we know that, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, you know, like my relationship with my wife, like we're always working towards something and, and we can tell when, when the other is not being that, like that, um, giving great input or, or really trying. So, uh, so it, it's, it's similar here. It's, it's about like really listening to the way the client is reacting to the relationships and learning what works and what doesn't. And we, we have, you know, a pretty narrow list of clients that we work with. Like we have like the personas that we work with, we have a certain industries, a certain like titles and like the people that we typically work with. Um, and talking to each of them is just slightly different, but I mean, for in a general sense, the type of tools that we use are just any type or any form of communication, we keep a constant line with them. So, you know, every time, you know, something big has happened like in their industry or anytime they've changed like a position in their job or anytime they've made a small win, like we're talking to them, we're interacting with them either on social media or, or through email or a phone call, you know? I mean, we have, uh, we have a couple of artists that we work with on a regular basis um, that, uh, that have been, you know, impacted by the, some of the major events that have happened recently. And, and, you know, we're, we're just calling out, you know, and, and I mean, we're, 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 you know, business partners in a sense, but we care about each other. You know, I mean, a lot of, a lot of companies will say we're family. I mean, I listen, family that goes into business with each other isn't always a good thing. Right. So, <laughs> Uh, so we don't we don't call our 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 partners and our customers family like they're they're partners and customers but we treat them with respect and uh, and and when we care about their their well being and wellness and and they care about ours and it's and it's it's nice to to be able to to do that now aside from just keeping in contact regularly, like we tell them about projects that we're working on. If there's something relevant that we're doing, we'll send them like a little, you know, we have an email campaign that we'll put together like, Hey, this is what we did this week. Like, check it out. And, uh, and, and hopefully, you know, that inspires them a little bit. And, and, you know, there's just, there's just, you know, we're doing as much as we can to give little ideas and little touch points with their clients. And there's so many ways to do that through email, social media, again, sometimes just calling them. Um, and, but it all comes down to like, really like listening and, and staying like in the moment and prepared to like reach out with your client. So by doing that, it's formed really great relationships with our clients. They call us, you know, it's very, you know, very casual, very informal when we have a conversation they may call us just to say, hey, we have this potential client and this is probably going to be a no to them, but what can we do? And right. we just, you know, we just have fun exploring those. And, and if it pays off, then, then, hey, it's great. But at the end of the day, you know, we, again, we do say, we do limit the interactions with, with, with potential clients that will not eventually turn into anything. But there are hits and misses with the clients that we do regularly work with. And it, and it, it doesn't come down to like, are we capable or not? Or are they, are they, do they have the money for it or not? But it really comes down to, is this the right fit or not? Um, and so 
Gotcha. Now you brought up, um, there's specific industries and titles that you go out for. Do you mind elaborating or sharing on what those um, titles or industries that you like to work with are? Yeah. So at the highest level, and, and you'll see even on our website, you know, we do projects for brands, businesses, and property owners. Like that's the highest level, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but in terms of like more like specific I mean, our, you know, our brands are, you know, like, I mean, retail, leisure, hospitality. So like hotels, uh, um, um, sports franchises, we do stuff for, you know, for fortune 500, fortune 100 companies, you know, um, in terms of like businesses. I mean, we do stuff for mom and pop shops. Like we do stuff for local, local restaurants. Uh, we do stuff for local businesses. Uh, and then, and then we have like property owners. So um condos apartment complexes um commercial office spaces uh you know high-rise buildings we do we do engagements with with those industries and um and that's really you know it it, it, it in the, now naming all of those like it seems like a large list but they're all they all have something like similar in 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 relation and what that is is they deal with a physical property or physical space and they do some kind of marketing that deals with an audience and that audience typically likes to see some kind of artistic expression they may be you know appreciator they may be an art collector uh but anytime they see some kind of artwork they're a fan and i mean that's most of us right mm -hmm. you know, all of us have graphic tees all of us have you know a carpet with a you know, with a, a pattern on it or, you know, certain color lights in our car. You know, I mean, every, everybody has a little creative expression, uh, but we're, we're kind of building systems around what kind of projects fit those types of expressions. Gotcha. So what does the process look like when you are working with like your commercial clients? Three main parts, discovery, plan and design, and execution. So, I mean, during our discovery phase, that's literally just to kind of like listen to what the client wants and learning about what's going to make an impact on their project. And again, if it's the right fit. And then, you know, then we move into planning, we start concept development, you know, we figure out all of our supplies, schedules, considerations, uh, and then we just execute it. We get the work done, we deliver beyond expectations, we shake, you know, we, we view the space together. We have a conversation, have a cup of coffee, shake hands, and then move on to the next project. Mm. Now for anybody listening, that's like, man, I would love to work with more commercial clients, you know, high level clientele with bigger budgets. What advice would you give to those listening that want to do that? Um, that's a really good question. I mean, I can identify that with, with that greatly because I, I wasn't involved with corporate America before, you know, I got involved with this business. Now I did, I did freelance, you know, um, graphic design, but I wasn't the creative director. I wasn't the sales director. I wasn't that person actually interacting with the corporate clients. And so uh, for me, my entry into that was reaching out to my personal network and learning who in that network is either working in that corporate industry uh, or has somebody close to them that is working in that corporate industry and connecting me with the right people. And so it's kind of like a little ladder, right? I mean, I, I, I know a friend who has a friend that works at this great company and I, and I 
look at it and I say, yeah, that's, that's the kind of client we want to work with. And, you know, I, and I can come to that decision because like, oh, I see they did this project or I see they have this kind of like marketing right now. I'd just look at their ads and their posts and be like, yeah, we kind of vibe with that. I would love to introduce myself. Can you connect me to this person? And then, you know, I'll talk to that person and say, hey, can you connect me with the director of marketing, you know, at this company? Or, you know, a lot of the times we're, that's, that's, you know, who we're dealing with, somebody in marketing. Um, and, uh, and we'll reach out to them and we'll just have a conversation. And it's because of those warm connections that, are, you know, this is a friend of a friend and this is a colleague of a colleague. This is connected by somebody I trust. Now I have an opportunity to like keep that trust um, through, you know, through integrity and responsibility and timely communications. You know, I can, mm-hmm. I can just do what I need to do to impress and wow and get a yes. Mm. Okay. I love that. Now, when it goes to, obviously you're not going, doing this as an individual, you're doing this from a business side and there's lots of moving parts, but what is your method for pricing the services that you offer? Uh, well, that's, that's on a project by project basis, really. And I mean, the types of services that we do, I mean, it's all centered around like handcrafted artistry, but, um, it, it really depends on the project itself. But, uh, but if somebody was trying to figure out what their system could be, um, when talking to a client about a project, you know, it, it really starts with finding the value first. Like, what do we need? to make things happen, stay like moving and be happy and like pay the bills and feed ourselves. That's, that's where I started. When I started the company, I said, what do I need to like really just live and, and not be completely stressed out with this creative career? Cause that's, that's, that's the stigma. That's the conditioning that we as artists have. And we all are familiar with the term of starving artists. You know, we all think that it's a rite of passage and it's not, that shit sucks. Like nobody wants to do that. And so the way around that is really kind of like assessing what you need to like live happily and just like, just mash the gas and go after that. Um, so for me, I found out what that number was and um, I decided, okay, how do I want to like charge this to my client? Like how do I how do I make this so they're not nitpicking and trying to pick apart my my services to where they're stripping it down to the bare minimum because I need to do all of these things to provide a quality product. So uh, it came it became about creating a price that's based off of value and not off of time. Uh, and and the way I was able to do that is first just in the terms of like what I would show the client is they, they see one number. This is the number it's going to cost to make this project happen. And if they ask questions about what goes into that, then I'll happily tell them what my steps are. And, but those processes are non-negotiable. So, um, so, you know, they can't take anything out, you know, if this is what you're looking for, this is what I'm going to provide. And this is what I need to do to make that happen. Um, And then go after that. Now, internally, if you want to figure out what that is, like you could price off of like a, if you're doing murals, a per square footage cost, you know, and the industry standard is like somewhere between like 15 and $25 for most individual artists doing freelance work. Um, and, and that's, and that's, that's a decent like place to be, you know, uh, when you start talking about adding on things like 
media like video, photography, AR, VR, obviously the price is going to go up. Uh, and an artist could go after that um, if they have the right partners in place to do it. Uh, but at the very basis, it's again, if you're an individual artist trying to do some work, uh, it's about figuring out what you want to be happy and then going after that. Um, I mentioned the per square footage cost, and then there is like a day rate. These are, these are just different systems that people have used before. I've used them. Most artists will use one of these two. Uh, the second is the day rate, which, you know, I mean, could vary. You know, some people are happy with, you know, $250 a day. Some people are happy with $1,500 a day. I mean, it's, it's wild. It's, it's out there. I mean, I know artists that, that charge both. Uh, and I know some artists that won't go below like four grand a day. And I mean, like, I'm like, wow, like mm -hmm. awesome. Congratulations. Hand clap for you. That's, that's amazing. Uh, but they, they have done a lot of work and they have a lot of systems in place to like demand that charge. Right. They also have a demand of, of people who want their work. Mm -hmm. So those are the two systems that, that, that can be used. Now we use that to like enter the conversation but it's not the final say so there's a lot of work because again we do a lot of planning we do a lot of like media components we do a lot of additional like uh elements to the project so our prices change a little bit based off of those things gotcha gotcha so when you're looking for artists um do you just do you have like artists in-house? Are they all like contractors? How do you find the artists? And if anybody's listening that would like to work for companies like yours, because I know there's other companies that kind of do similar things, mm -hmm. like how does one do that? Yeah, so um, we have an artist network. We have a, a, a network of artists that we work with on a regular basis. Um, it's growing and the way we establish that network is we either are we're, we're avidly like looking for artists to partner with, but we also have a network sign up form on our website uh, for any artist that's in, interested in joining the artist network they could go to our website on the bottom of the page on the footer to the right it says join our artist network you can click that fill out a really simple form and then we're going to reach out to you and we're going to like talk to you and get to know you and uh, and and by the end of the conversation, you'll know and we'll know if it's a great fit and we should really move forward with, with partnering together on some projects. Um, and other than that, like we'll reach out to people that we just really wanna work with. Um, so that's, that's how our artist network is built. You know, it started with a bunch of friends that I've painted with in the past and it's, it's grown since then. That's awesome. That's really cool. Now, what do you um, look for? when you're hiring an artist so like anybody that's listening that's like maybe starting out and like maybe they're not like you know at the level they want to be but they want to keep working towards something want to be able to be in a position to you know have a network with companies like yourself um what does one you know have to do or work on and would to to you know be at the forefront or like get your attention yeah uh that's a really good question. I, I think that the the biggest thing is uh, is originality. I mean, and that term is super muddy. It's super gray area <laughs> for artists because, like, what is original? Uh, but um, and you know, the artists that we typically work with, they have some kind of like 
some something you know uh, whether it be like the you know the color theory or their style or their 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 personal story there's something about them and their presence that sticks out and we think that it's unique and we want to work with that person now uh it'd be great if this person had experience with art <laughs> uh, and, and they they were familiar with it. I mean, typically the artists that we work with, they usually have like an average of uh, anywhere from four to like 20 plus years in, in like practice. Um, not all of them. In fact, most of them don't have a uh, college uh, formal education in art. Um, you know, a lot of the artists that we work with are just like me, they're street artists that have kind of come off, they may have taken a class or two here, they may have taken a master class online, they may have just learned from friends and people that have passed down information to them, but they are familiar with 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 art and, and they're, they're driven to continue to create their own unique um, representation. So those are the kinds of artists that we work with. They have to be visual artists. So again, they, they're like working on murals or large scale paintings. Uh, they are sculptors making things and that could be a toy sculptor. You know, you're making vinyl or resin toys. You could be making giant metal sculptures. We're interested in the, those types of uh, creatives uh, and digital artists, those that are creating um, um, unique pieces using digital art. So. Uh, it could be somebody working on Procreate. It could be somebody working with uh, Photoshop or Illustrator, but they're not mass producing these pieces. They're making pieces that are going to be a small run or unique to the client's project. Um, so yeah, does that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for um, sharing all that info. Hopefully anybody that's listening um, took notes on everything that you've said so far. Um, and just to kind of take a little bit of a left turn from, you know, UXD and the business, um, you do stuff for TEDx San Antonio and you do a lot of, um, you're, you're part of the prison entrepreneurship program I saw and like yeah. do a lot of cool things on the side. So tell us more a little bit about that side of your life. Um, cause I'd love to dive more into that. Yeah. So, um, at, uh, Let's talk about TEDx San Antonio. Um, I'm the creative committee co-chair for that organization. What we do is we plan, you know, a, one big annual event, and then there are several smaller events that happen throughout the year, uh, and we highlight people that are creating new ideas and 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 challenging the status quo. Um, now, what my responsibility is with that organization is to create, come up with all the creative content, you know, all the graphic design materials you know, the badges, t-shirts, stage design, um, awesome. uh, graphic posts, all those things is, are the projects that I work on or have a team that works on. Uh, so it's, it's pretty cut and dry with that organization. I do that for them. I get to make, meet some really great people from all around the world through that organization. Yeah, I'm uh, sure. And, uh, and so, you know, it, it's been a great opportunity to work with them. And uh, I love the team that we're working on. Mauricio Tafoya is the guy who is my co-chair. We're actually like, we're teammates, we're tag team, like WWF <laughs> for the creative committee. And so he's, he comes from an architecture background, super talented dude. I mean, he, had, he just left Gensler, which is the largest architecture firm in the world to start his own studio. Uh, 
Leon Studio, which you can find online at Leon, L-E-O-N dot studio. You should check out his work if you're into Scandinavian design and kind of like the Mex Mexican text textiles and, and heritage, you would love this guy's stuff. Uh, and if you have a million dollars to spend on a house, you could spend it with him. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so, so, I mean, he's really talented. He actually is the person that brought me on um, and nominated me for the, for the chair. Um, and the prison entrepreneurship program, uh, that is a really, really important organization that I volunteer with right now. And uh, the re the, so that organization, they help, uh, they create programs for incarcerated people to uh, develop sound business ideas, form business plans, and pitch their ideas in a Shark Tank style manner to real executives and real investors that take time to go into those prisons and help them develop all of those ideas and, uh, and come up with, with those plans. Um, now, for a couple of years, I was responsible for managing the graphic design team that helped put together identities for every business that was pitched by uh, an incarcerated individual. And so they would come up with a business idea. We'd help them come up with an identity and we'd give them a look at a real presence for their business. And it made such a big impact. Like it, it gave them an opportunity to see like, Hey, this is real. Like, you know, I mean, I could have like a logo that is as cool as like Pepsi or Nike or something like that. Like <laughs> this is real. I could do this. And it gives so much like uh, encouragement uh to not only them but anybody who's starting a business that's like a critical moment when you get your identity you're like yes or you know yeah. ho hopefully it's not like a, oh like we got to do it again <laughs> uh but it happens right um so i did that for a couple of years i helped kind of like form some systems and some programs for that um but that all happened while i was incarcerated myself um and so <laughs> There's the bombshell. Boom. Um, <laughs> I, I was incarcerated for two and a half years for an alcohol related charge. Uh, me and some decided to go out one night in Dallas and have a good time before we went out to Florida. And, uh, and, and I was driving and we, you know, I lost, I lost control of the car. I struck a tree and my passenger died at the scene. My passenger oh, in the backseat was, critically injured and was um was was facing suffrage of brain damage uh luckily he came out of coma and has has since you know recovered and so i'm thankful for that uh but i you know i had to face you know justice to um to answer for the crime that i had committed and mm -hmm. and uh that's you know that that happened back in 2000 and in 13, I ended up going through about two years of back and forth with the courts before actually being sentenced to prison um, in Texas. So that's, uh, that's, that's what happened there. While I was there in prison, I came across an opportunity to join the prison entrepreneurship program. There's about a thousand applicants every year. Uh, there's a hundred thousand people in Texas prisons every year, just FYI. Uh, a thousand applicants for this program, about 150 make it in every six months. Oh, um, wow. I, I made it in, I finished the program and became a peer educator where I started the graphic design program and started actually teaching other small classes like fitness and wellness and things like that too. 
to my my fellow incarcerated men. So dang, uh, you left that part out <laughs> of your story. And well, it's <laughs> it's it, it's it's a big part. And when people hear that, they get sidetracked and they just want to hear about that, you know. So oh, to be, well, I, I like to, to hear be. about everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad we brought it up, and I'm glad we talked about it right now because there are a lot of things that that happened within those experiences, not just for myself, but for the entire community involved, for for everybody that was in, affected, uh, which was a lot of people, um, and. And I'm still, you know, working through that and trying to, uh, trying to figure out how I can just continue to be the best that I can be for society, for my family, and for the community. Uh, because if I'm not pursuing that, I don't think I'm doing any any kind of honor for, uh, for 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 um, for the deceased. So. Yeah. Wow. Well, thanks for, you know, being vulnerable and, and honest and sharing that side of your story. That's obviously by choice, but I do think there's something powerful, you know, adding that into there because it kind of fills in like the middle of your timeline um, and the, the life that you live and this journey that you've had since, you know, you were working from Montana to, you know, going to jail and having such a, you know, a traumatic life event happen to, then, you know, going into graphic design and working for yourself and then creating a <laughs> yeah. business. Like, wow, what an amazing story. Like, I'm telling you, it, I, 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 I preface this. It was a stumble. Like, it was like, people are like, how? Uh, but this all happened in 10 years. It's, it's insane to. Um, a lot to can happen in, in 10 years. You oh, know, yeah. a lot can happen oh, in, yeah. in one year. But um, congrats on, you know, getting to where you are now and you have you know you're married you have a kid you're you're making an impact you're doing right you know hopefully you know for those families um, that you kind of did that wrong um you're you're part of you know the the TEDx um conference which is also a huge an amazing company that you know helps and inspires and empowers people um, and so I think it's really, it's, it's really cool just to hear your journey. And I think it just shows anybody who's listening, who may have a similar, similar path or has had a lot of hiccups, you know, that feel like that's something that, that can hold them back or is holding them back. And they don't know how to get out of that, that there is, you know, hope in, you know, taking control of your life and, you know, doing good in the world, um, and for those around you, but also, you know, being your own boss and creating the life you want and creating the business that you want to, to to do that that's right that's right and that's so true i love how you just really brought all that together in that statement i mean it's absolutely true and it's what we hope i hope to achieve uh you know i i, I recently did some work for some of my uh fellow alumni from the prison entrepreneurship program who are doing this truck driving education system out in california really cool group uh, I was doing some branding for them and they have this phrase uh, and the phrase is we're better than our worst days. And I feel like that wraps up entirely like what, you know, what, what, what we were just talking about and what you just said, like, you know, sometimes we make wrong decisions and sometimes we do things that we're not really happy about, but it doesn't mean that it's going to uh, be the, 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 the factor and, and the drive for the rest of our life. Like we have, the opportunity to make the decisions to do different or do better. Yeah. I mean, and do with what, you know, do something with your life. And you, you, you've had many different chances 
and opportunities, you know, throughout your journey. And then to be able to have that decision to, you know, people either go, you know, the bad way and go downhill from there, or you can go uphill and just do the best you can and be your best self every day. And it's yeah. nice to see that, you know, you've chosen more of an upward hill than the downward hill. I'm sure yeah. there's down days, of course. Um, for sure. For sure. But it's definitely inspiring. Um, and if you don't uh, already speak on stages and share your story or have ever thought about writing your book, I'm going to plant that seed and say that you should. Thanks. Uh, I've, I've heard it a few times. I'm, I'm waiting for the right moment to do it. You know, and not, I'm not just putting that off. I'm like, I'm seriously waiting for the right moment. Um, but uh, thank you for, for, for saying that. I, I, I think that and I hope that there are some opportunities to continue to share uh, story because you know I, I again I, I just want to do my best to like honor and, and help the growth of myself and, and the community so yeah for sure um now taking it back to your business I forgot to ask this question but I always like kind of diving into this um what would you say is like your, your the biggest mistake that you made in starting your business and this can be either be with you know um UXD or even when you were doing your own you know personal freelance business what would you say is the the biggest mistake that you made and how did you grow from it the biggest mistake that I've made has got to be it's 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 got to be. <laughs> how do I say this? It, it's it's me. It's 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 uh, <laughs> it's the way that I you know I I'm 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 six foot two, almost you know almost three hundred pounds. I'm a big guy, very intimidating to some people, and because of that, I try and like counterbalance it with being like like soft spoken and like you know kind of you know passive at times, and like I just I'm just here, like I'm not gonna hurt or do anything bad. <laughs> Um, and so, uh, that's some, because I was so well-practiced at that, that made it into like my business, like dealings and my business relationships. And, and it, and it hurts me at times because sometimes I can be too flowery too, you know, with, with my language, I can be like too giving, I could try and do too much, you know, and, and, uh, I don't know how else to explain it better, but that's just me. Sometimes I'm like trying too hard to do mm. exactly what the other person wants and uh in 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 business and in interactions with other people really the best thing and i what i've come to learn is that the best thing i can do is to learn why i'm doing what i'm doing and learn how to do it to the best of my ability and learn what really works and then just stick to that and like be comfortable with saying no to the client and saying that's not a mm -hmm. good idea and here's why um it's taken me a long time to learn that and i still struggle with it uh but but it is something that that um has been part of my part of my downfall I'm, i've lost i've lost six figure projects because of it and uh it's not exciting to say i mean it really hurts and uh we don't get those often <laughs> uh yeah but but you know it's it's uh you know when it happens you're like ah oh, dang it uh and and but you just gotta learn and move on you can't beat yourself up forever about it and you can't like lean on it like a crutch you just gotta you gotta learn you gotta adapt and you gotta move on yeah i mean and as much as that may suck too i think sometimes there's no clients no with no money amount in the world that's worth working with especially if you 
you have to kind of like stoop down or belittle your, you know, values or time or whatever it is. Um, so that could have just been, you know, a blessing in disguise too, having to say no, <laughs> even though, you know, saying it out loud, like oh, we lost, you know, a six figure job because of, you know, sticking to our guns, but at the same time. Well, I, I should say, you know, it, the reason why we didn't, we lost those jobs wasn't really because we were sticking to our guns. It was because we were being too forgiving and we were being too uh, lenient. And you know what, in the world of business, what that looks like to the other person, and I hate saying this, is desperation. And and um, and when you come across as desperate in business, like it's just not a good look. And so um, and so, you know, being lenient, being really like really over uh, what's the word I'm looking for, like like compensating. Yeah, um, um, going going too above and beyond to make the the other person happy when when it when it when it mm. when it when it when it, uh, when it when it uh, what what's the word I'm looking for when it really compromises the integrity of the project, that's when mm. that moment happens and they say you know what this doesn't look like a good fit. Mm. So it was in that moment that they, or was like, what was it that made them say um, like, all right, we, we don't want to work with you anymore. Yeah. So, so the deal in this, in this specific project was that we, they wanted a, a specific status of artists. We pitched the project for that status of artists and it was a big number and um, they came back and they were like, well, you know, we don't know. And they were, they, they themselves were undecided and they, they were exploring themselves, but we took it upon ourselves to like, like respond to that with, well, we can do this. We can do that. And this was early on in, in their career. This is when like, truth be told, we were desperate. You know, we were mm-hmm. trying to get generate business. We were trying to go out there and, 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 and do something. And, um, but, but when we showed it by, by responding to their undecisiveness, well, well, we can work with you. They saw that as like, ah, no, nah, I don't really, no, nah, we're not interested. Um, and, and because we were giving them different, you know, we, we, we went from a high number to like a number that, that was lower, but we also like trying to overcompensate, offered them more than, than the true scaling back of the project. And so they were like, oh, there's something off here. There's an alarm that was set off. Internally to mm. them, they were thinking there's a gimmick. And that, and that to them, even though there wasn't, I mean, we were just really wanting to take the project on. Uh, they said there's an alarm and, and we're not going to move forward. So. Gotcha. Well, thanks for sharing me. that. I asked them and they said it. So. Gotcha. Well, that's always good too. And I think it's a lesson to learn from that. Like whenever you don't get a project or someone, you know, doesn't want to work with you, you, you have to just kind of ask like, what was it so that you can grow from it? And right. even though you might not want to hear it. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Asking those questions is, is kind of hard too. Cause it's like going to somebody after they break up with you and being like, <laughs> Hey, you know, what was it about me that you didn't like? <laughs> Uh, yeah, and, and and most of the times they'll say no, but every once in a while you get somebody that's comfortable enough with saying this is why, and that's that's yeah. always pretty helpful. For sure. Um, well, you've definitely had an amazing story and journey to share, and I hope that the future holds many more successes and wins for you, um, and more life changing. Um, what what am I trying to say? Like you impacting other people, many more people. Um, so for our listeners, like what's next for you? Is there any big projects that they can 
look forward to seeing from you or that you're excited to share about that you can share about um what can i see from you you know what i wish i could talk about some of the things that we had going on but i can't um but what i can say is like i mean we really want to share that with with you and anybody who's listening and we will be sharing it shortly um on our social media on our website on our email list we've got some really cool things um we've got some really cool things in the works and we're really excited about them and it goes beyond just like the client work that we're doing but like making an impact in the community and as we flesh those out and and are and are confident in sharing them we're going to be sharing them so i mean this isn't a plug or like the, the bait to get you to come follow us but if you want to connect with us like we're so interested well, definitely everybody listening, I'll have the links in the show notes. Definitely go follow him, check out his company, check out him and everything that he's doing. Um, Anthony, do you have any last uh, bits of parting advice that you want to share with, with the Gangstar Creative listener right now? Uh, sorry, that's my daughter. She just showed, made the appearance. Um, no let's see. So, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, at the very essence, I like kind of leaving the conversation with what we hope to do in our mission. And that is that we are always looking to do, um, I'm sorry, I was <laughs> a little distracted by my daughter. She was like, no worries. come play with me. I'll be there in a second, I promise. <laughs> um, we, we, are, we are driven to make art projects happen that are more accessible. So what that means is like sometimes, you know, these art projects can get complex. And so clients don't want to do them or they, they, opt, they opt for like the easiest path. And some artists, they, they deal with things that they don't really like to deal with. And so sometimes projects fall off just because um, there is a component that the, one or the other didn't really like. And so what we have driven, what we've tasked ourselves with is to create the easiest transition and guidance through those projects. So hopefully by doing that, we've been able to make more projects happen, period. And we're placing them in spaces that people get to interact and, 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 and interact with. So whether it's through conversation or inspiration, uh, or maybe it's influence to, to start their own you know, journey on creative expression. That's what we hope to do. We just hope to influence more people and put art out there in the world. Um, and we, we're, uh, we're after that every day. So my word out to anybody listening is that whatever you decide to do, uh, if it's like a career pursuit, a personal pursuit, a spiritual pursuit, maybe take a, take a moment to like look at and, and assess like why you're doing that, how it's impacting yourself, how it's impacting the immediate community that is, it will be affected by it and how it may impact the world. And, uh, and, and just, you know, stay in tune with that and always listen to, to the way the world is interacting with your stuff and, um, or with your projects or with your initiatives or nonprofits or, you know, or, or groups um, and, and just continuously be on the lookout to do the best for the community, the world, but most importantly, yourself. You have to love yourself and do yourself the honor and be kind yourself boom i love it i love it well anthony thank you so much for your time and being on the show again everybody go follow him check out his um socials and his website and all the good things um and till next time yeah excited i mean i hope there is a next time for real i really had a great time 
talking with you today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, listen to a couple more episodes, and share it with a fellow Gangstar creative. I would also be forever grateful if you left a review letting me know what you loved and what you'd like to hear more of. And as a thank you for leaving me a review, I'll gift you both my 10 ways to create a Gangstar brand PDF and five ways to boost your online sales PDF. Just screenshot your review and DM me the picture on Instagram at Devonna Stimson and I'll send it right over to you. Until next time, cheers to annihilating the status quo of the starving artist.